Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 128. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. Thank you for tuning in today. I know it's been a hot minute, so let me tell you where I've been for the last month. I was finally able to do a bit of traveling for the first time since the pandemic started, so I took a little break from the podcast to travel the world a little bit. So I took my second trip to Africa. Uh, I went back to Tanzania, and then I went to Uganda for the first time. And ever since my first trip to Africa in 2013, I went on a safari to Kenya and Tanzania. And ever since going to Tanzania, I've been intrigued by the thought of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And in the last couple of years, I finally decided it was time to tackle that trip. Obviously, things got delayed with the pandemic. And even still, I kind of went back and forth about doing it right now. I kind of only really decided like a month before going. But anyways, I went and I did it. So, uh, and I made it. I made it to the top, all 5,895 meters. And it was no easy feat. Uh, It took the group that I did it with, uh, it took seven days, uh, five and a half days up, a day and a half down. And it takes, I mean, it mostly takes that long because you have to acclimatize to the altitude. So you're doing like half a day at least of hiking every day. And there's five different climates on Kilimanjaro, so every day it feels like you're almost somewhere new. And some of the valleys that we camped in were just like absolutely breathtaking. So yeah, you're kind of climbing up every day, but then coming down a little bit to sleep at a lower altitude level. And that was kind of my biggest issue because I'm not a great sleeper to begin with. And so I must have been running on adrenaline because I was definitely very sleep deprived, uh, spending six nights in a tent, kind of sleeping on a mat and... Most most nights you weren't even flat. You were like on an angle, so you'd wake up like halfway down the tent. Other than that, it was all good. I did start to get altitude sickness once I reached the top, or rather around 20, 30 minutes before I reached the top of the summit. Uh, I started to get, I mean, the oxygen is so thin up there. I started to get this like terrible pressure headache, and then it starts to make you nauseous. And I just remember telling myself, like, it's so beautiful up here. Just try and hold out until you start heading down and then be as sick as you want. Especially because on summit day, you leave at midnight. You, they wake you up at midnight and you, uh, you start to head up the last part of the mountain. It takes about six, seven hours. And then you are there for sunrise. And it's like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And it's like surreal and majestic. I probably would have appreciated the views a little bit more had I not been feeling so terrible. But I tried to take it in the best I could. And then coming down, uh, (laughs) I left my insides all over the mountain. (laughs) So yeah, the nausea ended up being too much. We stopped for a break and I threw up. And then uh, after the summit, we we stopped back at at camp and uh, had a quick rest. I still wasn't feeling great. I threw up again. Uh, everything that was in my stomach. (laughs) And at that point, the guides told me that, you know, there's really no other solution than we got to keep heading down. So that's what we did. And about two hours into that four-hour hike down on the second last day, then I started to feel 
better. And the guides and the porters are just absolutely incredible. They're like superhuman. Every day they, you leave before them, they pack up camp, they pass you on the way there, they've got everything on their backs, even your bags, other than your day pack. And uh, then they, they get to camp, and camp is ready by the time you get there. It was absolutely amazing. I went with a group called Climb Killy. If anyone's interested in doing uh, in climbing Kilimanjaro, then I would totally 100% recommend them. And so that was my first week, uh, was climbing the mountain, and I didn't really want to just fly there, climb a mountain, then fly home, but I had already done a safari in the Serengeti, so another bucket list item of mine was to do the gorilla trekking in either Uganda or Rwanda. So I flew to Uganda, I did uh, a few days of safari there, saw some cool things like tree climbing lions. Then I went to the Buwindi Impenetrable Forest, which is home to about 459 gorillas, which makes up about 50 families, 22 of which are habituated to humans. So I went trekking about an hour and a half into the forest to find a group called the Machiza family, which is made up of about 15 gorillas. And it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. There was a a silverback, uh, several females and some babies. And so, yeah, that's what I was doing in September. And then it took me an insanely long time to get home. It took me over 40 hours from the time I left my my lodge in Bowindi. I had a 10-hour drive back to the city and then a wait. And then I had a six-hour flight to Doha in Qatar. And then I had another like three-hour wait. And then I had a 14-hour flight from there home. Um, I remember being in Doha and I was like, looked at my watch. I'm like, man, I've been traveling for 24 hours already and I'm still in the Middle East. So when I got back to Toronto, I was just a dead body. I did get sick from just being run down so much and it took me about four days to recover and, uh, yeah, I've just been getting back into the swing of things. And so here we are, we've got our first podcast of the fall. And we've got a sweet episode for you today. We have a lovely young singer-songwriter named Sarah Kays on the podcast. Sarah is based out of Nashville, but she was doing a show here in Toronto at the Velvet Underground. So that's where I met up with her for the interview. Her guitarist, Andrew Tufano, also sat in to chime in a little bit on the podcast. And we had a lovely chat. It was uh, great to get the opportunity to speak to Sarah. She's a very talented songwriter and is just kind of at that budding stage of her career. Uh, She had her breakout single in the last year and just released her third EP, which is called Struck by Lightning. So definitely go and check that out. But we're also going to do the Adamantium Recommend segment, which is five songs recommended by myself that you could check out before or after the interview. So starting with Sarah's latest EP, I'm going to start by recommending the song Struck by Lightning, which is a collaboration with the artist Cave Town. And then I'm going to recommend that breakthrough single, which is called Remember That Night. And I'm also going to recommend the song Future Kids. And then moving to her previous EP that was released last year, it's called Camera Shy. I'm going to recommend the song No Matter the Season, as well as the song Smaller Than This. So if you're new to Sarah's music, that's a good place to start and check out those songs. And chances are, if you're listening to today's podcast, you might be a Sarah Case fan already. If this is your first time tuning into the Adamantium podcast, first of all, thank you so much for choosing to listen. We love having you here and we'd love to have you back. Of course, it would be magnificent if you can do all those things that us podcasters always ask, and that's subscribe, uh, rate, and review. 
You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. All right, so now that I've told you about my amazing adventure and this amazing podcast, let's get into today's interview with Sarah Kays right here on episode number 128 of the Adamantium podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Go out and enjoy all the fall colors. Uh, If you're Canadian, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving last week. Get out there and enjoy this last season before we go into winter. All right, be good, everyone, and see you soon. So, we're here today with Sarah Case. Thank you for joining me. Hi, I'm glad And we've got here. Andrew along with us. Hello. This is Sarah's guitarist and keyboardist. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, tell me about, you know, first of all, it's, we're here at the Velvet Underground here in Toronto. Uh, one of, you know, first slew of shows back to, to live. And I believe this is your first headlining tour. Yes. It's only like the fourth show on my first headline tour. Yeah. Awesome. So you just put out a new EP, mm-hmm. um, Struck by Lightning, that was released in August, I believe. Yeah. So tell us a little bit how things, now that you've put out, I think it's three EPs? Two or three? Oh yeah, three. So tell me how it's kind of different now that you've had some music out there. Has it changed from putting out that first EP to now putting out more? Yeah. Um, the first EP back in like 2018 was just kind of like, literally the first four or five songs that I like felt like were good enough for me to record because I'd been like trying to like get better at writing for years and then I felt like okay these songs I feel good enough about and that was that EP and then after like some time I like came up with I don't know some songs and that was the camera shy EP which felt so much more like me and like the sound of it even and everything just like came together so nicely and now it's like Sharp by Lightning is even more of that. It's like every time I feel like it, it feels more cohesive and like me. So almost like I was going to say, has the pressure increased since? But it almost feels like it's it's actually more of a release because it seems to be more more you each EP. Yeah, and it's nice because I I work with the same producer, same Steven on every song, even from the first EP. So it's like we both kind of have gotten better over time, and every time every song just kind of feels like yeah more like me so if it's almost like easier to express yourself as you've become more experienced as a songwriter yeah yeah very cool very cool um because your songs are so like kind of personal um in content um do you have to be in a certain mindset do you find before you start songwriting do you have a routine um or is it kind of like something comes to you and you need to like in that moment need to write um it's like always pretty different I do tend to start with lyrics on those songs like sometimes I just write like one or two lines and then kind of like can start on the music part but like that happens or like I'll start singing a line in the shower even sometimes or Mm -hmm. just in the car and that's happened for some of the songs so it is a little different every time but I do tend to start with lyrics right is it kind of like when you feel this is from someone who's never written a song in his life mm-hmm. I play the drums and drum yeah, you know drummers don't nice. write songs <laughs> um, when you're feeling something is are you like I'm, you know I'm gonna write a song about this someday or is it like I need to write a song about this right now <laughs> or you know 
Um, sometimes, I mean, like, I do think that sometimes I'm like, I need to, like, go experience something so I can, like, have more to write about. Or, like, and sometimes something will happen and I'll, like, write it down. Or if I think of a title, I might write it down or something. But, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, like, my songs do tend to be, like, what I'm experiencing, like, in that moment Mm -hmm. or something from my past. So it's always... Yeah, I feel like I need to experience things to write songs. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, let, maybe let's be more specific. So like, uh, "Remember the Night" has has become kind of a breakout song for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about that song? Do you think pe- people connected about, and what kind of in that moment were you like, I, "I need to write about this occasion"? Yeah, I I actually like hadn't had barely written about any songs about love or like breakups or anything and I had been kind of like because I feel like it's hard to say something that has not even said or there's so many songs about it and that song I just it was so real to me in that moment because the song is you know about like my ex hitting me up after I had kind of gotten over it and being Mm -hmm. like I remember when we did this together and it was like it's just exactly what happened is what the song is about Mm -hmm. so that's why I just kind of I think came out so easily and Mm -hmm. I think it's just globally a lot more relatable because breakups are more relatable. Right. Um, I just, I do tend to not write as much about that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned even something about um, saying things that haven't already been said, but a lot of your songs are kind of about things like body image and stuff that mm-hmm. maybe too, people are too shy to write about or don't think people will listen to. Mm-hmm. So what inspires you to to put that out there does it make you nervous to put that out there at first it definitely did um when I was I think the first song I kind of opened up about that in was No Matter the Season which Mm -hmm. came out in like March 2020 and I I was nervous because at the time like I feel like the only people listening to my music were my friends and like my family Mm -hmm. and I was like I don't want them to just hear this and feel bad for me or anything but I got lucky when I just release that I also posted a TikTok about it that like reached a lot of people who also struggled with that so I kind of got lucky to have the immediate response of people who related to it and after that I feel a lot better talking about those Mm -hmm. kind of topics in my songs and um, just because I know I have like fans that will relate to it right it makes me feel better too yeah Andrew are you a songwriter as well yeah I'm actually primarily a writer and um Sarah hit me up for this tour and I was like this sounds super fun and I'm down but yeah I, I live in Nashville and I just write full time okay so, so what do you have a, a routine when it comes to writing so I think Sarah and I will be a little different because you're writing for yourself mm-hmm. and trying to express yourself and build an, a brand and be an artist mm-hmm. and I'm almost exclusively writing with other artists, other artists. to help them um, so I'll have a list of ideas that I go into sessions with but a lot of times I'm kind of vibing out the artists and seeing what they want to do, and then right. once they bring an idea, I try to think Have about... Have you guys written any songs together yet? Mm, we no, are like we, a... Like half of one, one time, but no, we've never... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe something, some inspiration will hit on this tour. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Never know. Uh, so tell me what the experience was like. I mean, it's something that's been really interesting to talk to artists about in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Tell me the experience of breaking out during a pandemic is like, because now you've got this music that people know, mm-hmm. but you can't tour, you can't. So tell me, tell me what your experience was like, what you were doing to try and, you know, keep people listening to your music. Yeah. Um, yeah, it did kind of like happen. Like 
right at the start of the pandemic, like mm-hmm. March 2020 is like when anything started happening for me, which I think is right when yeah. like everything started closing down. So, I mean, I like I definitely made the best of it. Like I was so just writing the whole time and posting a lot on TikTok, which helped me out a lot. And I honestly think if it might have been like better for me just to kind of have time to do that on my own and like mm-hmm. grow more by myself because if I maybe threw like touring into the mix and like a lot more traveling and stuff I might have not been able to write as much and release as much so it might have worked out nicely that like touring kind of waited until now right yeah well I mean it's it's great now that you know you can put music on on TikTok and you get like an immediate immediate response mm-hmm. um but it's been something so interesting to hear from artists. Like, one of the first artists I interviewed was this Canadian artist called J.J. Wild, and she had a rock song that, like, hit number one in Canada, like, mm-hmm. literally as everything got locked down. And oh. she was like, it was the most frustrating thing because all I wanted to do was go out and tour. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to kind of ride this momentum, and it's like, I can't. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's always really interesting to talk about. Um, it's not to interject, but because yeah. Sarah popped off during COVID, the touring thing was crazy because your first show was... Her first show was like a four thousand person show when we were opening, but it's so not normal. <laughs> right, as an just all of a sudden, because yeah. she she would have been touring in twenty twenty when her songs were popping off. Right, and played like clubs and slowly built up, but a it was just hundred, like yeah. a year of like internet and then explosions. Yeah. So. <laughs> did you? Because I mean, even tonight is sold out. Mm-hmm. And did you know you had this following in Canada? That is this your first time in Canada? Yeah, right. it's my first time. Like. Traveling outside of the United States. All together. Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess not really, like, until yeah. it was sold out. <laughs> I was Pretty like, oh, cool. great. And, like, I think you even, I saw on your Instagram, like, you even had a billboard in Toronto at some point. Oh, was, like, shoot, yeah, for the um, song with Palfu. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, like, where you, I don't know if you know the area that that was posted. That's, like, Young and Dundas Square, which is, like, Toronto's Times mm-hmm. Square, pretty much. That's so sick. Yeah. So, like, thousands and thousands of people would have seen that. <laughs> so, yeah, very cool, very cool. So, have you guys got any to spend, have you been been able to spend any time in Toronto yes yesterday the night before we got like three hours of sleep and had because we had like a, a show that night and mm-hmm. then a how early was the flight like 6 a.m or something yeah, I don't know but we were in the hotel lobby at like 4 a.m or yeah. Something crazy. <laughs> yeah so we we ended up walking around downtown a lot um that day but then we went to sleep at like 8 p.m right, right. yeah but Very it was cool. awesome anything in particular that stood out or you remember um, where did we walk to? I'm like we, spacing. <laughs> we were so tired, but we walked <laughs> along the river. Yes, and like that was walked so nice. by the CN Tower, and we were like, mm. oh, down to the like scary the water up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, now you can you can actually walk around the outside, like up on the observation Whoa, deck. Whoa, no, you I can, didn't know that. They can scare you onto a harness. Oh my gosh, you can lean over the edge. I didn't yeah. know that. It's I would have cool. Yeah, they called the edge walk. I've never actually done it. I, I've always wanted to do it, but it's one of those it's one of those things that like it's in my own city, so I just have never gotten around to doing yeah. it. But yeah, yeah. So if you're ever back in the summertime. You can do the edge walk. All right, let's do it. Are you guys scared of heights? I'm, like, scared of, like, normal roller coasters, so... (laughs) Yeah. Are you scared Uh, of heights? Not as much. Like, I love roller coasters. Mm -hmm. Um, Heights a little bit, though. 
I feel like anything that height should make most people oh. nervous. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not scared of heights, wrong. but I feel yeah. like leaning over the edge of I that is. I would for sure be nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we I, also we also went to this morning Kensington Market, but it was like so oh, early, Kensington like School. everything was closed. It's not yeah. open yet. Yeah, that's a. I feel like you guys would really. We did dig get that coffee. Area. Yeah, the yeah. coffee was everything great. Everything else, we walked by all the stores that looked Aren't like they would yet. be so fun if they were yeah. open. Yeah. Yeah, that is a really. That's always kind of like where I tell people to go to if it's their first time in Toronto because it is kind of unique. Yep. Um, so tell me then, during during the pandemic, during that first lockdown, what songs, what albums got you through that lockdown? Hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of Cave Town, and I did a song with him recently. Yes. But, yeah. but um, I've been a fan of him forever, and he released an EP that I listen to so much. Um, I'm trying to think like back to early pandemic what I was listening to because I'm I'm thinking of like Casey Musgraves' new album. I've been right. listening to that so much, and it, I mean technically we're still in like pandemic. Of course. So, yeah. like, what, what's getting you through? Like what's you know what are you listening to right now? What's your yeah. your jam right now? That's what I've been listening to a lot okay. right now. Casey's new album. Um, honestly, like I don't know what else. So did you know Cave Town ahead of releasing that? The really it was struck by lightning that you guys did together, right? Yeah. So what? Did you guys know each other before that song? Um, we had, like, connected a few months before that, um, and we're trying to write something together, and okay. then, like, we were, like, going back and forth on some songs, and then I sent him that one, and we, that just ended up being a song we did okay. together. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you have any particular goals for the next year, two years now? You know, now you've made, like like Andrew just said, you've made this wicked jump to <laughs> not touring to now playing pretty decently big shows. Yeah. So do you have any goals in particular in the next year or two? Well, I definitely want to, since I've done, like, a couple EPs, I want to, like, do an album at this point. I okay. Would, yeah, and um, so that's a goal, and... I would love to keep touring. I love it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm only, like, a few shows in to, to it, but I do love it. And Do you have, uh, like, a venue bucket list? Honestly, not really. Okay. <laughs> I've done a ton of research okay. on venues, but, like, I don't know. I'd love to play a cool hometown show sometime. Okay. Like, in your... I'm from your... Indiana. Indiana. Cool. We, okay. Yeah. We did get that one. That's yeah. Big. It was, like, a college show. Okay. In, in, yeah. Um, at Ball State, which was so sick. Like, Make it cool, yeah. Um... But yeah. Did you go to college or anything in in Indiana? No, I moved right after I, I graduated high school. I lived in Atlanta for a year. And okay. Then, um, I was and gonna then, say it'd be cool to play at your own college. And right. <laughs> well, I did go to college in, in Tennessee. Tennessee, okay. And we're playing a show at that college. There you go. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. in like a week. Yeah. 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 That would be yeah. kind of cool. I remember. Do you know? Do you know the band Metric? No. I don't think so. No. Okay. They're like a really, I mean, they're a pretty well, like really well-known Toronto band anyways, mm-hmm. and they played mm-hmm. My Frosh, and it was like kind of Oh, iconic. nice. That's yeah, awesome. It was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like, you know, everyone's kind of got like, they wanted to hit Red Rocks or something like that. Yeah, before. that band yeah. does look really cool. Yeah, it does look, I, I wanted, that's on my bucket list <laughs> to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we already touched on this kind of about, uh, about being your first time in Toronto. Um, Actually, one thing I was really, really interested in asking you is, mm-hmm. is that I found really interesting that you started busking at a really, really young age. Yeah. Um, it was like, like 13 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your first 
experience ever uh, performing in front of people. Were you super nervous to be doing that, or did it just come naturally right from the beginning? Um, my first performance in front of people was singing in my fifth grade talent show, and like the whole school had to come to the talent show, so it was like for a while it was like the biggest audience I've played, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um. I just sang, like, The Climb by Miley Cyrus. And, okay. Um, but I remember awesome being so song. nervous, and then, like, by the end of it, I was like, that was awesome. That's a hard song, too. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, some super high notes in that song. Yeah. Yeah. I went hard. Awesome. But, <laughs> but um, busking, though, like, yeah, the, I think the first time I went busking was in my hometown at, like, 13, like mm-hmm. you said, and... Um, I love that from the start. Like, I just loved how random people, like, walked by and didn't, wouldn't expect there to be anybody, like, playing, which they're mm-hmm. already, like, surprised by that to begin with. And, like, so if you suck, they can, like, cut you some slack because they're like, oh, I don't know. Right. We don't expect there to be music here. Okay. <laughs> but So, yeah, like, I would have been super self-conscious about playing on the street because, like, I, one, one thing is, like, when I'm at... I don't know, like, at an event or something, and someone's playing their music, and I'm like, I always feel bad. I'm like, there's, they're playing in front of, like, 12 people, none of, which are, <laughs> none of which are listening, and I'm like, mm-hmm. can be a great artist, and so, like, I'm like, if I was that guy, I'd be so self-conscious right now, but, yeah, you know, I if also... people are walking by, are you kind of like, are you in your own head at all, or? Um, I think after a while, not really, because okay. it's like, you get used to it, but also, like, I played so many, like gigs at bars and restaurants where right. where people are just eating and hanging out like usually not paying attention to begin with so mm-hmm. and I feel like that that hurts a little more because it's like you're there to play for them but when you're busking it's like there's no expectations there's of no anybody expectation so of it's that. Yeah. yeah that I don't really care as much mm-hmm. um do you ever like although I, I, on the opposite side I'm sure it's like an amazing feeling when someone stops to listen yeah in a restaurant they stop doing Mm -hmm. what they're doing to pay attention or yeah i had a lot of that and sometimes that would just like make your night when it's your motivation yeah yeah Yeah. we actually have i mean i don't i don't know if it's like this everywhere but in toronto we have in our subway system there's actually you have to audition to be uh to busk in the subway oh yeah you can't just (laughs) go you can't just go and set up you have to audition so like Anytime, because it's always, you're always wanting, like, Toronto has always standards. good people. There's always good people yeah. on the subway, and then that's what I found out. You have to audition for it. Oh, my gosh. Cool. I wonder, and usually there's, like, a permit you have to, like, pay for right. every year. Like, yeah. You have to audition and then Maybe pay for a Maybe a certain permit. spot, but in the subway. To do it in the subway wow. specifically, you have to, yeah, you have to audition. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could collaborate with anybody on your next album or on a song mm-hmm. other than Andrew who would it who would it be <laughs> yeah why haven't we released a duet <laughs> anyways um, <laughs> um I've been a huge fan of Alec Benjamin forever I would love to okay, do a song yeah. with him and then also um Brendan Urie okay <laughs> okay I think Alec Benjamin has played this venue I think I, oh, like yeah. recently, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> well, not, sorry, recently, like, as in the last oh, wait, couple yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a ticket for his tour that he announced in, like, 2019, and my ticket for that tour was still good for his, like, tour now. Right. got moved to, like, two years later, but then now I'm on tour, so I couldn't go. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, like, it's never supposed to happen. I know. <laughs> but now maybe you'll just make songs together instead. That would be so awesome. Very cool. Um, well, tell me about, so tell me about where, where you guys head next. We're going to Chicago next. Chicago next. Okay. And then yes. what's the plan? When when's the plan to write more music, put more music out? When can when when can people hear more from you? Yes. Um I've been like everywhere but 
home for like a couple of months, so I haven't been recording that much, but I've been writing, and when I get back from tour, which is in about a week, I'll be home for like a couple of months and just going to go like pretty hard on recording. But okay. Have we, you set aside anything that's motivated you as like, uh, you know, something that you could write about, or do you have stuff ready to record? Um, yeah, I have a list of like probably like 20 songs that I'm like, I probably want to at least finish this or record it. Okay. And what's the, I've always wondered this too, what's the pros? Because you always hear about artists like, I had 60 songs ready for this album <laughs> and you end up with like 10. You know, what's mm-hmm. the, you know, how do you cut out the My Babies, you know, like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like now. Does, does someone else have to do it or like are you too attached? Does someone else usually have, to, have do to do it? I know. Yeah. I was going to say like now sometimes it is like I'll post like a clip of something, a song on TikTok that I didn't even really like think much about and okay. people will have such a response to it that I'm like oh maybe there is something to this song and then I'll finish it like that's happened a few times so I think that happens some and mm. then on top of it like just my favorite ones it's so right. funny we were talking about this yesterday yeah. with, there's a guy named Will Anderson in Nashville in the band Parachute if you're okay. familiar yeah, yeah. and they had their big moment in you know like the late 2000s maybe yeah. around 2010 and he was asking Sarah he's like how he's like wait I don't have to finish a whole record and then hope that people like the song I invested in she's yeah. like yeah you can just post a verse yeah. and see if people like it and you'll know immediately yeah so it's I mean, a that's great way to think about yeah. now mm-hmm. that I think probably like older artists don't get or understand yeah. like you it's like having a free focus group mm-hmm. yeah. for your like even a verse like you said mm-hmm. you know and it's like oh people don't dig this verse or this line you know <laughs> like you can literally focus group anything mm-hmm. yeah which is really cool but it's also amazing how people I mean over the years there's so many you hear about songs that were like supposed to be like backtracks to an album end up becoming like their biggest hit or whatever yeah. like I've heard even Creep like by Radiohead like the guitarist hated that song and that's why he put that like part in the song like right before the chorus and now it's like one of the most iconic <laughs> bits of the song and like he like did yeah. it as a joke or something yeah he wanted to ruin it because oh. he's like I hate this song and that's I mean that's the story I've heard anyways oh. <laughs> but um, the other one I thought was amazing I've probably I think I've said it on this podcast before but um, like even Guns N' Roses um, Sweet Child of Mine there's like that really there's like that no there's a section in that song it's like the bridge section where he's like where do we go where do we go <laughs> yeah, now yeah. that like that bit apparently like they were just jamming and he didn't have lyrics ready and so he just said where do we go like where do we go now and like sounds amazing let's keep it <laughs> like, that's awesome it is yeah. funny how often you hear the story of like the unsuspecting hit yeah yeah. That almost didn't make the album. Your A and R was just texting about it was a Paramore song. Oh yeah. Was, she didn't um, want to do or something. Gosh, I forget which. The only song. exception. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was like it's an amazing song, but like and she didn't want to do. It's like, so funny. I don't know the story. I don't want to put words in her mouth, mm-hmm. but it's just so funny how when you're writing all these songs and like recording them and you have sixty songs and you like them all, it's you can get lost in like that feeling of hearing a song for right. the first time as, yeah. a, as a listener is like you don't really get that experience right mm-hmm. and also if you're too close to a song like if you've worked on something to death and then don't think it's any good anymore yeah you know? mm-hmm. yeah it's just like even hearing like even not my own music but like even if I listen to a song to death and I'm like oh I don't really like this song and then anymore and then like four years from now I'm like oh yeah this song this song's great mm-hmm. I just listen to it too much <laughs> <laughs> But did you, speaking of Paramore, someone just said it to me today, because I I guess I had never heard this, but there was like a mashup of Misery Business over Olivia Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) Uh, Good for you. Mm -hmm. And they like work 
perfectly to yeah. I think there was actually she got in tr- trouble yeah. for it or sued or I something. have gotten oh. sued for less they work because when someone mentioned it to me I was like I don't really hear it in my head and then when someone sent me the mashup I was like oh my gosh they work perfectly together <laughs> but That's I was like crazy. it's actually a good song yeah. like together <laughs> cool well uh Guys, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast and doing this. Yeah. And I hope you guys have a wicked show tonight. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, we hope we'll have you back in Toronto at some point soon. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Thanks for having me. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.